6,85,000. That's the number of cancer patients who died globally in 2020. According to United Nations, breast cancer is one of the most diagnosed form of cancer worldwide. It accounts for around 12% of the cancer cases globally. Hi and welcome to Newsbreak. This is Harita Benjamin and today we are here to discuss breast cancer and the myths surrounding it and spread some awareness. So today we have with us Dr. Arunima Paulos, the consultant surgeon at the Breast and Endocrine Surgery Unit at the Believers Medical College Hospital in Thiruvalla. So welcome to the show, Dr. Arunima. Thank you. So before moving on to the technicalities and the symptoms and uh, the treatment, uh, I'd like to know why is the fatality rate high and survival rate low for breast cancer in India? Now, according to the statistics which I have here, survival rate is around 90% in high-income countries, whereas it is only 66% in India. Why is that so? The answer would be lack of awareness and appropriate screening. Because you catch this as early as it happens. It directly improves the quality of your life. And that is what the message has to be given to every woman of reproductive age and beyond. India has basically taken initiatives. I must say we are not behind in that aspect. They have taken initiative to include breast cancer as one of the most salient features that has to be addressed in the national health program, where they are focusing on mainly non-communicable diseases. So breast cancer, ovarian cancer and oral cancer is like the top three cancers that the government of India, the entire country is trying to hold it before it gets too bad. Right. So there are various screening programs planned, but how do we execute it is that is where the catch is. Uh, I know Kerala is one place where, you know, patients are aware. None of them are not aware. They see something abnormal in their breasts. They do come running, but it has to be the attitude everywhere. And one thing is the ANMs, uh, the, they are the people who reach the, you know, the grassroots level of the society. They have been trained by the government to um, give awareness on um, how to look after your breast health, how to examine yourself, what are the steps and what are the worrisome symptoms. All this is done this so simplified that it is accessible to anyone. So they don't sit back at home and they feel there's something wrong. That is the type of accessibility screening should get. When that gap is bridged, we can also cut down our fatality rate and increase the survival rate. So developed countries are winning there. They have extensive screening programs. Uh, it's sometimes even mandatory. So when that happens, um, you can actually catch it before it causes a big burden on the patient, the family and even the society. All right. Uh, so you were speaking about how the government has been stepping up initiatives uh, to diagnose. Uh... Since 2010, if I remember right. So uh, it's there for right. almost so many years now. Okay. So uh, now one of the things which comes to mind is, is the lack of early diagnosis one of the reasons uh, why the survival rate is, you know, lower Absolutely. in... Um, yes. Yeah. Trust me, you cannot say what type of cancer you're going to end up with. Right. But uh, if you're screened for it, 
you can probably come out of it without much uh, taxing of your life and lifestyle and economy and like as in your personal uh, financial issues or even your health per se. Health, basically, let's con- concentrate on that. Right. So um, if you find it early, it can be any type of cancer. If you're sticking to breast cancer, uh, a lump is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of breast cancer. So when you're finding something abnormal in you, you come right to the specialist or even any any doctor is fine. I'm not insisting you have to go to a specialist and wait in line or something like that. But go to a doctor mm. who can actually tell you what is what. Okay. So that makes, that solves a part of your early detection. And then you can build on it. So probably you might get away with something as minimal as a conservative surgery or just something that is less morbid. But meet a doctor. Right. So now uh, you were speaking about, you know, the lump in the breast, which is one of the common symptoms that the general public is aware of. Could you probably list out uh, some of the other symptoms of breast cancer for the benefit of our audience? So uh, for a patient to ascertain that it is cancer. So first step is finding something wrong in you, which is of a recent onset. Cancer is one guests you don't want at home and you don't know when they'll come they always come unannounced so but the moment you notice the rest of the symptoms which i'll be telling now the moment you notice that something is wrong in you and the duration of that has been very recent then that has to be screened not screened that has to be evaluated that should be the word evaluated yeah. so uh, enlisting those symptoms would be definitely lumpiness mm. or say something like a knot okay. in your breast and uh, changes in your nipple such as uh, discharges which can be blood tinged uh, changes in the skin of your breast where you feel something is tugging into inside like you know it's tugged up or sticking onto it we call it tethering in okay. our terms but you can say it's something as um, like the skin is pulled inward such changes or something you you feel some fullness in both your axillas your armpits in common words if you feel any fullness there which is not which was not there before that's when you should be alarmed so um these are the common symptoms which can lead you to considering it as a change in cancer but otherwise also there are so many things mimicking these things but that i'm sure only a specialist can differentiate it for you but the key point is you identify it first. Don't waste your time. Again, meet a doctor. All right. Uh, now, moving on, you just spoke about the symptoms. But I think uh, a large majority is also curious to find uh, how breast cancer is caused. Uh, we know for a fact that uh, uh, heredity is a major factor when it comes to breast cancer, but we don't know how important it is. Uh, so could you probably elaborate on the factors uh, which cause a breast cancer? And is it at all preventable? Okay, there I'd like to bring the paradox of breast cancer. Basically, hereditary cancers account for only 5 to 10% of breast cancer. So you should be worried if you don't have a history of cancer in your family because you wouldn't be careful about getting screened. You might be in the 90% of the, you know, the other half where you are at risk of getting cancer. So there are many risk factors more than hereditary that can lead to forming cancer in your body. 
Okay. So what are these uh, risk factors? Risk factors are divided basically into two major categories. That is one which can be modified by yourself and one which cannot be modified. And uh, when you spoke about hereditary, uh, there is genetics in play. And unfortunately, genetics is a non-modifiable aspect yeah. or a risk factor for breast cancer. So uh, the modifiable include uh, the age at which you have given birth to a child or how much have you breastfed your baby. Uh, then about your BMI uh, to control your weight gain because mm. a BMI more than 30 is definitely a very high risk factor for developing breast cancer. Meanwhile, other modifiable risk factors include um, usage of tobacco as in smoking and alcoholism and even uh, hormone therapy. Uh, where people have to take hormones for your you know fertility or whatever cause that is uh, for uh, exposure to exogenous hormones of more than 10 years is itself a risk factor for getting breast cancer i'm just saying it's not the reason but it increases your risk right. to developing breast cancer yeah. that there's a big difference yeah so you might get it you might not get it at all but your risk is definitely high if you have all these risk factors in your lifestyle and uh, if you are exposed to radiation at a young age some of the lymphoma survivors children who have got radiation exposure but definitely there are other criteria where you know you can calculate your risk uh, you get different scoring systems it's available online where you have to give your parameters like your age your age at menarche your age at menopause and you know how many children you have how many years have you breastfed all these there are different there are many guidelines commonly done as gale uh, model so all those guidelines would give you there are online platform it's accessible to anyone you can calculate your risk at home maybe on your phone or a tab and see if you are at high risk and when you enumerate the non-modifiable risk factors, these are things that are not in your hands, yeah. right? So um, this uh, that list includes basically your age. Uh, the older you become, uh, it's you are at a high risk and the lesions that happen then are a little more, you know, scary. Yeah. And uh, followed by your uh, genetic uh, predisposition. So um, as we mentioned in hereditary breast cancers, the most... Uh, 70% of these uh, breast cancers are formed by mutations in uh, BRCA genes, BRCA1 and 2. Mm -hmm. So when we screen, we prioritize evaluating the positivity of these genes. Mm -hmm. So that is a non-modifiable factor. You don't know if you have it right. unless you test it. And followed by that includes your gender. Of course, females have a very high predilection. Wow. Well said, because you have the glands that can become cancerous. But do not ignore men. Hmm. About 0.5 to 1% of males are at risk for breast cancer uh, and followed by um, you having some other lesions in your breast, which on biopsy comes out to be something atypical that is not normal, but something atypical. They also have a risk of developing cancer in the future. And as far as women, again, like if you categorically look at women, the age at your menopause and anarchy. If your menarche was before 12 years of age and your menopause is after 55, so all that accounts for an uninhibited or a prolonged exposure of hormones into your body. That also contributes into your risk factor for having breast cancer. Okay. And the concept is breast cancer is actually a systemic disease. It's not just sticking to the breast or breast organ per se. So if you remove your breast, you're safe. No, it's not. It has cells which circulate in your body. And that's when the treatment planning, etc. is very important. You have to hit it very hard so your recurrence rate comes down. 
All right. So uh, you just spoke about uh, the age factor, that age is a non-modifiable factor, right? So uh, in what age group uh, does breast cancer often, uh, you know, manifest itself? Uh, we have to be under surveillance from the age of 30 mm-hmm. and above. So during that time, it can happen uh, whenever that is. And it's the predilection is more towards older age. So 30 to 65 is the age category where you recommend screening and being periodically checking yourself for these things. Now, um, you spoke about the checks and balances which are uh, needed. So uh, when do we conduct these checks? And uh, what are these checks? Uh, You know, for a normal or a common man who is, you know, not exposed to the medical terminology or, you know, hospitals as such, uh, they are often uh, stuck uh, on what to, you know, how to proceed uh, when they see a symptom. So could you probably elaborate on the kind of uh, checkups which have to be conducted? Yeah, about that, I must say it all starts from home. It's super simple. It's just called breast self-examination. So um, you just have to know, to, there are multiple techniques. Uh, you have to know how to examine yourself and watch for what I mentioned, recent changes in your body. So uh, that can be done exactly one week after your periods. And if you are a postmenopausal woman, you have to do it exactly almost the same day of every month. Okay. So I can give you a small note on breast self-examination. It's very simple. What you have to do is pick a day that is uh, for postmenopausal women, as I mentioned, pick almost at least pick a week every month, like repeat the same week on the next month. So every month you examine yourself. And for a lady who's in her reproductive age with active periods, pick a week, pick a day after the week she's done with her bleeding. So you examine yourself standing in front of a mirror with your arms raised above your head to see the contour and how the shape of your breasts are. Naturally, there will be a slight disparity which the lady is almost used to. So that is not something that she should be worried. But if there is a recent change in complete distortion or like at least a mild distortion of the contour of her breast, that is alarming. Followed by she should be checking with uh, if you're examining your left breast, you use your right hand and vice versa. So you should know that you should be using the inner surface, the palmer surface, as we say it, of your hand. This one. Okay, for my audience, this one. So, and be very gentle. You don't have to poke, like my patients come and just show me like, this is where it hurts. They poke it so that they mislead themselves into thinking that they have got lumps. So uh, that's one method where you stand and examine, followed by you have to also examine your armpits, whether it is appearing full. This happens, just look at yourself in the mirror and with your arms raised above and look into your armpits and see if there is any uh, recent fullness that also needs examination by an expert. Followed by examining your nipples, if there is any change, if there is inward inversion or retraction as we say it of your nipples which is not a new thing i have i know many mothers who struggle with flat nipples but that is something you're born with and you know it but if it was not so before and you see there's a recent change be aware of that so that is another symptom which you and which you should seek medical advice and when you're examining these are the points that you should remember then you should lie down flat and with your 
one arm behind your head so that your breast is actually stretched upon your chest wall and you examine repeat these same steps so when you're examining yourself it has to be systematic you just cannot like you know check random places so there are three methods either you can follow a concentric circles or you can go up and down or like how you follow the numbers in a clock that is from center to outwards that is also these are the three methods you can pick what suits you right so uh, what about the uh, checkups which are done at hospitals yeah yeah so um basics i'm sure everyone has it on their fingertips it's mammogram but not everyone needs mammogram okay so the investigations as far as radiology or imaging is concerned we would be doing ultrasounds in patients we can do mammograms uh, sometimes mri and there is also pet scans you don't need all of this sometimes you don't need any of it Right. but what to do is for women with dense breasts that is uh, ultrasound is like the basic thing which we normally do and if there is any suspicion we go for mammogram in women below 40 years okay. above 40 years you can go for a mammogram with some there are some scorings that is called uh, the biorad scoring where they score the the findings in the scans into suspicious non suspicious or something that has to be followed up periodically there is a there is a systematic approach to it all right uh, so could you take us uh, through the treatment process and let us know what are the treatment options available so um, it's called triple assessment that is followed worldwide okay it's very simple first you take a clinical history that's when the patient who has identified that said something wrong in her breast comes to a surgeon or let's say any doctor because you can't miss them or you know anything like that so comes to a surgeon and identifies and the history is taking them into a place where it could be cancer her history that means where you have to take uh, everything about her uh, menstrual uh, history her parity score that is uh, the number of children she's had everything about that and form and categorize the risk that she is at and if this lump can be cancer that's how you take a clinical history second part of the triple assessment includes imaging that's where all your ultrasounds and mammograms come into picture and there according to birad score and as far as a clinician's interpretation as well you can categorize the lumps into whether it is suspicious or it is going to be very much into a cancerous change this is completed with the third part of our triple assessment which is the pathology that's why you opt for at, uh, obtaining a biopsy so biopsy for breast lumps which is suspicious of cancer should always be a core needle biopsy i've seen in periphery where you know most of the times they end up taking fnac the difference is core needle biopsy takes almost a small chunk of the tissue so that specimen has all bits and pieces of the tumor and whereas fnac as in when i elaborated it becomes fine needle aspiration cytology and that is almost limited to the type of cell that is there the cell that is there in the tumor so that is incomplete you will probably get a suspicious diagnosis like okay this is not something simple but that does not give you a good diagnosis and you need the core needle biopsy that specimen to do further tests which will tell you the aggressiveness of your tumor yeah. so that is called immunohistochemistry we use that technique to identify what type of receptors are present in this tumor so can we get eradicate the disease completely like in cancer there is no one guarantees you complete 100% eradication but at least you can reduce the recurrence 
So uh, you need a core biopsy done after your imaging. And then followed by you do a immunohistochemistry in the same sample where you can identify the receptor status. You can identify how fast this particular tumor has got the potential to multiply. That is by KI67 markers or MIB index. Mm. And uh, followed by that, you can uh, start planning the treatment for this patient. So treatment should be planned for individual patients. It's not the same for every patient. Mm. So their tumor will tell you, their tumor biology will tell you how to deal with this patient. And as far as you ask me, what are the treatment options? There is, of course, there is surgery, but you have to hit it hard. As I told you, you have to address it as a systemic disease. That's when chemo and radiation, everything comes into picture. And before every treatment is begun, you should look for um, metastasis. That is, if there is any chance of spread. So uh, when we look into breast cancer, it can be divided into various stages. Right. So that's I'm sure people come and ask in uh, commonly, like, uh, at what stage am I? Mm. So uh, whereas breast cancer is concerned, there is zero to four. And if you and that come, that is, uh, again, broadly divided into early breast cancer. Uh, locally advanced breast cancer and metastatic cancer. Okay. So in all this, you have to do other investigations to make sure this is the only place that you have a problem, that you're mm-hmm. just limited with breast cancer or are you having spread into other organs. That is called a metastatic workup. Okay. That's where all this PET CT and all comes, but it's not indicated for every cancer, every tumor in the breast. So uh, it should not be used unjudiciously. Mm. And following a metastatic workup, you formulate a plan for your patient. So um, you can either go for an upfront surgery. Some tumors can be just operated right away, followed by you take this uh, biopsy of the big specimen that you have removed. And that can be assessed and decided whether the patient needs a round of chemo or do they need a radiation. And uh, the types of surgery, of course, there is conservation surgery and the classic uh, radical mastectomy, modified radical mastectomy is what we say. Uh, That actually, uh, you cannot replace one with one. You cannot say uh, you can give the option of uh, BCS only or you can give the option of MRM only. Your tumor will tell you what goes best for you. So uh, could I just uh, interrupt if I may? I think a lot of people are concerned about how expensive cancer treatment is in general. So if you are to compare breast cancer to other forms of cancer, which is being manifested right now, uh, how uh, expensive is breast cancer treatment? Uh, it's in your hands. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will not say that uh, it's a hospital or it is a government hospital or a private hospital or your health insurance is the factor deciding the expense. Okay. Trust me, it's in your hands because if you are detecting it early, you can go ahead with the less morbid surgery, which shortens your hospital stay and uh, definitely uh, how you have to be treated with chemotherapy or radiation or whatever it is. All that, the moment you find it early, where it, the spread has been spread has not occurred or it is just limited to the breast, uh, the cost can be managed according to that. And I think uh, there are many um, you know supportive uh, schemes given in different hospitals or even um, the government where you know cancer is addressed quite seriously. The only thing is you have to reach there on time. So how is uh, chemotherapy incorporated into the entire scheme of the treatment? And is it always necessary when it comes to breast cancer? 
Okay. So here again, uh, when you get your biopsies done and you have your receptor status known, uh, also you use a TNM staging, as in that is tumor, node, and metastasis. It's a American Joint Committee of Cancer has uh, developed a staging system uh, where you follow the size of the tumor, the number of uh, lymph nodes that has been, you know, it's palpable or noted, in, like identified, mm-hmm. and if you have metastasis. Mm-hmm. So based on that, you stage, you get your receptor stasis, uh, status. And followed by that, you uh, decide whether you need chemo before surgery or you need chemo after surgery or you need chemo at all. Right. So that is what tells you what is needed in your case. And uh, then what happens? See, there are some criteria where you give chemo before you operate mm. so that the tumor cells are addressed, your recurrence rate is reduced, and sometimes the size of the tumor is made to go down so your surgery becomes easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those are the some, those are some, you know, if I explain in common terms, those are some of the reasons why you give chemo. And also if your receptor status comes into triple negative, where, you know, it is more an aggressive variant. So all those times you have to sometimes give chemo before you operate the patient. And uh, next thing is, would you need chemo after surgery? Again, if you have uh, your final biopsy comes with uh, lymph node positivity or if there is involvement of your skin or anything, the tumor has, you know, eaten into your skin or your chest wall, such cases also require chemo after surgery and sometimes even radiation so that your treatment is complete and your recurrence rate is brought down. And uh, as far as uh, surgical options are discussed, there is breast conservation surgery and there is uh, mastectomy where you remove the entire breast. So mastectomy becomes a little more uh, morbid because um, it's a psychological trauma as well. You know, you're losing. It's like mostly I think uh, everyone would be able to relate to a person who's lost an arm or a leg. You call it disability. But when you lose your breast, I don't think they will empathize with you because yeah. the patient themselves are like, I'm, I'm fine, I'm, I'm fine, I'm functional. But it's actually a psychological trauma. So there are the methods devised, there are techniques devised to conserve the breast if possible. Say you have a favorable histology, you can conserve your breast and do surgeries. And the next part where your um, journey through cancer is morbid is when you have nodal metastasis. That is your armpits have uh, nodes which has tumor cells in it. So then you have to clear those nodes, but uh, you have to be very careful to make sure you do exact exercises that you have been trained by your physiotherapist and uh, prevent all sorts of infection or wounds on that affected area because you don't have anything to curb the infection. You won't have lymph nodes. So that is one of the long-term morbidities of um, breast cancer surgeries when you address the axilla or the armpit nodes. All right. Uh, so how important is follow-up uh, when it comes to breast cancer? We, you've just spoken about the treatment. Uh, how important is follow-up? Usually we keep five years after your uh, completion of treatment uh, for follow-up. So usually it is uh, every three months for two years and every six months for the rest of your uh, time in that five years, okay. followed by every year. So lifelong every year you have to be following up with your consultant about your you know new symptoms because say you have done a conservation surgery you have rest of your breast say you have done a radical surgery you have another breast right. so you have to make sure you catch the possibility of recurrence as early as possible 
All right. So now uh, I think uh, with this, we come to the end of today's episode. We have spoken about the symptoms, uh, the treatment and uh, the probable causes of breast cancer. So to wind up, uh, do you have anything uh, to say to our audience, Dr. Arunima? Uh, It's very simple. Just don't waste your time to meet a doctor. (laughs) If you find there is something different from what you're used to in your body, especially when you examine your breast, as I explained in this talk, please seek medical advice because you have to get evaluated to make sure you don't have cancer. That is where you save yourself and your family and your community from being overburdened by this monster. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. This is On Manorama's Newsbreak, an explainer podcast, which is produced by Harita Benjamin with technical production by Idea Brew Studios. Do follow on manorama.com for more updates.